0: hey there welcome back to the etsy seller podcast i'm your host cody mcguffey and today's episode is a little technical a little bit different but super interesting okay we talked to a gentleman named willie he's a financial guy and comes from more of the finance type of background in the corporate world and startup world and yes it's more finance related but we relate it back to etsy quite a bit and the reason why we had will come on the podcast today was because he made, he's made he been making some YouTube videos on Etsy, diving into the Etsy stock and kind of coming from a different angle from an Etsy seller perspective and relating it back to you know Etsy stock price and things like that. So I'm excited to kind of bring this conversation to our community because I learned a lot personally and I'm excited to hear what you think about it too. So as we dive into this episode, I'd also like to emphasize that curiosity is one of the most important things that we can be using as a tool in our entrepreneurship tool belt, okay? And how a well-researched plan actually helps you with your growth as an entrepreneur. So I'll leave it there for now. Kind of keep that in your head as we dive into today's episode. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Everbee, and we believe that everyone deserves the opportunity to pursue their passions and live life on their own terms. We believe in making e commerce accessible to everyone in the world and using it to make a positive impact in our communities and in our families. Everbee is the Etsy business tool that helps Etsy sellers find winning products on Etsy, get more sales, grow their business. You'll quickly understand what people are searching for on Etsy and what they're buying. And so you need to just make products that people actually want to buy. It's not that hard. And when you wonder where your listings are actually ranking, and you know, the Etsy search algorithm, our listing rank tracker will show you that. So you can understand what keywords you're actually ranking for. When you have that fear that of that dreaded Etsy suspension due to an accidental trademark infringement on a listing, Everbee will let you know. Our trademark monitor automatically scans your listings every single month for you to make sure that you're aware of any potential issues with your listings concerning any trademarks. Okay, it's a tool you guys need to be using to grow your business. Sign up for free, everbee.io. Let's jump in. Will, great to meet you, man. Happy to have you on. How are you? Hey, Cody. Very nice to meet you as well. Thanks. Uh, I'm I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Awesome, man. Thank you for coming on. Seriously, appreciate that. Um, how do we get here? This is our first time meeting. So, for anybody listening, this is kind of the first time that Will and I have we got the chance to talk. But I have followed you, Will, on on YouTube and the content that you've made, and it's kind of struck an interest to me personally because you kind of cover a variety of topics. You cover like some detailed financial stuff. You talk about like different like stock market stuff a little bit too, mm-hmm. and then. You obviously talk, you cover Etsy as well, but you cover Etsy in a different way. It's not just like the typical how to increase your sales on Etsy type of content, which is great, by the way, but it's, you take a different approach to it. You kind of look at like the earnings per share and like the, the financial information of of Etsy as a company and kind of where it's going also. So anyway, so I just appreciate you coming on and be willing to share
1: with, with the audience. I'd love to do it. Happy to be here. Um, yeah, I, I approach this stuff partly because of just the way I think, but partly because I'm trying to. Figure out how to add some value to the conversation. There's lots of people that probably you know know a lot more than I do about you know driving traffic uh, within Etsy or to Etsy from other channels, and, and so I'll, I'll back up a little bit. I'm I'm sort of more of a, a finance person um, by training, but I, I view myself as a business person who knows finance really well. So I, yeah, I'm so- I try and think of it more about uh, all the elements of what makes a business work, but I have very strong finance skills because of education and, and a lot of time working in finance. So I tend to view that first thing through the lens of numbers.
0: Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about, I wanted to go there anyway, um, of like, what is your story? Maybe kind of give us a backstory or background on your career, your entrepreneurial journey.
1: Yeah, go ahead and start there. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, in college I started, it's funny because I've almost come a little bit full circle, uh, but I started in college not knowing what I wanted to major in. So just sort of by default, I just went with business. I'm like, well, I don't know, business seems <laughs> seems interesting, yep. so I'll do that. And, and there wasn't really a pure business major, like it was accounting. So I, I started in accounting and did like a semester, and and it was so boring I couldn't take it. So I bailed out of accounting and quickly moved to another business-like topic, but that was economics. So I, I thought that was interesting because that was a little bit more about how the economy works and in broad brushstrokes and how how incentives you know push people to act in certain ways. Uh, And then there were classes about, you know, finance and and, um, like uh, the stock market. So all that was interesting to me. So I I did that. Uh, And then when I got out, I actually moved out to Santa Barbara uh, with some friends. So just we picked up and moved out and lived there for a couple of years, just found local jobs and traveled all over California. But that's that's kind of how I like to do things. I think that that theme almost picks up but in, in my business world. So it's, it's Hmm. find something that looks interesting, learn enough to know what you're getting into and then go try it, you know? Um, Hmm. So we moved out to California without much of a plan other than, all right, well, we'll move out, we'll find somewhere to live and we'll, surely we can find jobs when we get there. And so that was, that was the plan at the time. Um, But, but bringing it back to, you know, professional stuff uh, after a couple of years doing that um, I was, I was really eager to, you know, kind of get into the business world but in a bigger way and and it seemed like the way to do that uh, because Santa Barbara is a small market I would have had to move anyway sure Um, so I I just figured well I'm going to go get an MBA and uh, so I applied to five schools uh, and ended up going to uh, Cornell back here on the east coast which is actually where I'm located I don't think I mentioned that before and so I've stayed here ever since and a couple years after getting out of business school I was you know, tried to push it as far as I could, really. Uh, so I did the, the the next sort of educational thing that I thought might really polish my skills, but give me a, a credential that I hoped would help professionally. Which was to get the uh, Chartered Financial Analyst uh, designation, and that's a that's a three year self study program. It's pretty tough, and most people probably haven't heard of it because it's really more used by people who are working on Wall Street to get into exactly. research, uh, equity research, or other types of jobs like that. Um, you kind of need to do that. So that was sort of the educational stuff. But then just in the career, you know, because I thought Wall Street sounded interesting. I did a couple of years in equity research and and really hated it. It was a mix of interesting and god awful boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and I don't mean to insult anybody out there that does that. That's uh, but it just it just I found that it was mostly reading um, SEC filings that the companies make about what's going on with their business, and that's basically done once a quarter. To me, it was like you know just reading sitting in an office the size of a closet. Not talking to anybody all day long, pretty much, and just reading legal documents. So that got old, obviously, quickly. Um, so after after a while of doing that, I shifted into startup tech companies, almost by accident. I was trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? I I thought I was going to do, you know, Wall Street equity research, and and found out I really didn't like it. So uh oh, you know, what's what? What do I want to do instead of that? Uh, and then and I found my way into a, a software uh, company at the of course at the height of the, the dot com bubble and uh, just ever since there i've been i've been kind of following the finance career path in software companies and what's neat about that is it's a really great way to understand the the overall business sure um if you work in in sales or in marketing it, you tend to be more focused just on your domain or if you're in, in development you're building software and writing code but the finance team, not all the jobs, certainly, but some of the jobs in finance, your job is, is to be a business partner to all the different parts of the business. So, yep. you know, I worked a ton with marketing, trying to figure out what their campaigns were and what were the conversion rates and, and, you know, how they had it all set up to flow from, you know, ticklers out in the market, trying to attract customer interest and bringing it back through the marketing channels and ultimately converting into a sale for the company. And I would work with the sales teams and same type of stuff and putting together their, you know, working with them, but putting together their compensation packages to incentivize the team to achieve certain, you know, certain goals. Like, well, what, what what should the goals be? Who are we targeting? Why do we want to get them? What's that customer going to be worth to us? How do we incentivize uh, the salespeople in various ways to go out and close certain types of business to benefit the organization and then likewise with you know the development team on what they were working on and so on and so forth throughout the company so it was a it was a great role to really learn the business in a way that's a little bit unique nobody else needed to do that and then we would capture all of that ultimately in spreadsheets it it was the business model it was everything that happened in the business that resulted in revenue And of course, there were all the costs of all the people and the things we were doing. And then ultimately, you get your profit if you're making money and and your cash flows and and all that. So it was a way to sort of see the business through that lens. So when I now... You know, jump forward to, to where I am today, which is having done that for a long time, you know, you kind of look around and say, well, I always liked starting businesses. I've always enjoyed the entrepreneurial stuff. If I want to do that on my own, and I do think if you can make a business work on your own, it's more attractive to me by the way I see the world than it is to work for somebody else. So I've always wanted to go there and I just figured, all right, well, it's, it's you know, now's the right time to do it. Uh, technology is sufficiently advanced that it's easy to do it as a solo business initially. And if it ever gets to the point, you know, it being whatever business I ultimately wanted to create. Uh, and if it gets to the point where I want to grow it, it's, it's easy now to find other people, you know, the internet and video conferencing and remote work and people all over the world who speak perfect English, like there's just no reason why I can't do it now in a way that it was hard to do, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Totally
0: agree with that. So to summarize basically all the stuff you said, right. And for the people that don't know all those certain terms with the SEC and all those things, right. But essentially to wrap that up is you have this like keen ability to like dive into something, to learn something. And it was all centered around business, right? Like the, your curiosity just being around the business world and then going into like the tech world and then being in the financial departments, I think overseeing actually financial departments, right? What was your role in the finance world? So the last couple,
1: the, the last couple of jobs I had was uh, as the chief financial officer. Sure. And in every business is a little bit different, but in, in some companies, that's sort of the number two role to the CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that overarching, um, skill set, uh, that, you know, that I was just talking about knowledge so of the they- business in a unique, in a unique way that covers all aspects of the business. Um, and so because of that, you know, I was kind of, um, the person who was tied at the sure. head the CEO.
0: How does this relate to Etsy now? Let's like, let's make the jump now. Cause like, how did you get into the Etsy, like ecosystem. How are we talking all of a sudden about Etsy? How did we get here? And
1: what kind of brought Etsy to your attention? Absolutely. And so how did I get to Etsy? I've always dabbled in um, various e-commerce types of businesses so if you go back to the early 2010s um, I made a, a first venture into starting my own business I started by by looking around and trying to find a niche because I was thinking let me make a website that solves a problem uh, so that's something I talked about in a recent video mm-hmm. is find a gap in the market that you know you can you can solve and so I was looking around and it was inspired by something else but I realized that there's um, a lot of people that are interested in, in uh, getting into the trades and one, the one I focused on was plumbing, but there wasn't a resource that told them how to do it. They didn't know how to actually become a plumber. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, you could go out there and find it, but I figured why wouldn't I just be the aggregator that would, that would find the information on, on what are the rules about being a plumber state by state because it varies state by state and uh, and also talk about basically what the process is and what you can expect entering that career. Now, I didn't know anything about plumbing. I mean, I'd, I'd had a house built at one point. I worked closely with the contractors and the trades in that whole, and, and and actually an architect in the whole process. So I had that, and I do a lot of my own handiwork. But I'm, I've never been a plumber. I would never sure. say I know a lot about plumbing. But I use that as an example because um, people seem to think that you have to be an expert in a field in order to be able to create a business in the field. And I say, well, you might and you might not. It depends on the field. In this case, I Went out there and found the information by just doing research, and then I wrote it up in a consistent manner, state by state, on how to become a plumber in probably the top twenty states, mm-hmm. and uh, organized that in a in a nice fashion on the website. And so through this, I had to learn for the first time how do you work with WordPress, how do you build a website, how do you you know set up hosting, how do you source. Um, information? How do you create nice looking pages? How do you put AdSense? What is AdSense and how does it work? And how do you get it loaded on your website? All the minutia that I didn't know how to do, but I figured I could figure it out. So I I did all that and created a website. And then I had to figure out how to get traffic to the website. Uh, And I had to source writers to provide content. So literally by building a website, it sounds like a small thing. And I don't wanna make it sound overly complicated, but by doing that, I had to learn soup to nuts a lot about creating an online business, all the key Mm -hmm. elements, right? So it was, I I viewed that as much of, um, as being an educational project to teach me things that I wanted to learn, more than it was gonna be a business on its own. Now, if it can also be a business on its own, that's great. So that was my first venture. And then for various reasons, and, and I did get a lot of traffic to that website, but I decided I didn't want to be. Um, uh, I didn't. That wasn't something I wanted to go much deeper on. Like I could sure. have uh, hired plumbers and actually offered training. Uh, so there, there was sure, lots you of deeper. Stuff. Yeah, loads but of that's room to you wanted to do. Yeah, it just, it just. I decided I was interested in doing something else rather than that. So what I created next is I created a podcast. And nice. so once again, I had to learn how to do all the things about creating podcasts. So I had it completely set up and running. I recorded five or six episodes with various guests uh, and, you know, it was out there and I was getting traffic. Uh, sure. And then, of course, this is what happens. Right. And I, and, and I was worried the same thing would happen now. So I'll tell you what that is. Um, I was I was just it was launched and I thought it had tremendous potential. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's when I got the phone call from from an old uh, an old person I used to work with previously, who said, "I have this cool new software company that I've launched. We're a couple of years in. We have at, we have ample funding that we think <laughs> it's huge. Do you want to come be my CFO and help me build this?" And so I decided, after thinking about it, to go work with him because that had the potential to be you know much bigger than my my independent project could have been. Okay, um, so I, I stopped doing it and, and went with him. So five years of that. It ran its course. And so now when that was up, I thought, okay, I think I'm going to go back. But this time I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to get lured away. And it's just so funny because uh, I swear a month ago, I I had my whole current venture up and running. And I'm like, I just know I'm going to get a phone call from somebody who wants me to go work with them. Right. And it's going to be so tempting. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, it's. Anyway, and of course, you know, that that phone call came and, and I had to think about it for a weekend. But I said, uh, no, thanks. Appreciate it. But I am. I'm um, not available right now. So this brings us to Etsy now. Um, and that was a very long winded way. But I think the journey might be helpful for people to sort of kind of think about what they're doing themselves. Uh, so now when I was getting restarted, I'm like, well, do I want to go do the podcast initially or something else? So I decided to start with something else. And that's something else is is YouTube. And I think YouTube um, is is well developed but still has tons of future potential yeah
0: um,
1: and so for me I wanted to do something similar to what I was doing in the podcast but do it on YouTube which is create a general business uh, topic arena focusing on entrepreneurship and personal finance areas I know a lot about mm-hmm. um, and that I think I can you know hopefully offer a little bit of entertainment a little bit of wisdom and experience and and uh, build a channel around that. So in the course of doing that, I'm also, as a hobby, I'm a photographer. I enjoy certain kinds of photography. And so I thought, well, um, maybe I'll, you know, I'd I'd heard something about Etsy as a marketplace. I know photography doesn't sell well. I have no expectations it's gonna sell. But through my excuse of having, you know, pictures, I already have them. I already have a, a nice portfolio of stuff, so let me throw them up on Etsy. Learn how Etsy works while I'm doing that, yep. and and the, the print-on-demand suppliers that you know I would put my f- pictures on their stuff and push it through to the Etsy store and and all that. So that's how I that's how I became familiar with Etsy, and because I view everything I'm looking at in this in this in this sort of arena uh, as as what's the f- test down. formula. How does this work? Like, if what do I need, need to do A plus B plus C to be doing it all right? Um, so I just tackled Etsy the same way and actually spent a fair amount of time understanding how Etsy works, but, but most of the time was going into building the, uh, the, the products and, and getting them uh, put up neatly and building my store and, and all of those things uh, on Etsy. So that, that's go? what brought us together. Yeah. How's the, re- how's the result so far? I mean, I know it's not oh, your it's, focus. Uh, no, but it, uh, honestly, it's not selling, um, but I honestly only, only, um, I only set it up and kind of ran ads for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And because, because I don't think I'm selling something that has a high potential to sell anyway, I never, I never thought it would. Yep. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to make sense to me to continue to throw ad money. At oh, sure. Yeah. Like- which probably won't sell.
0: I think, um, what I like, what I like about this is first of all, we're being transparent with like Etsy's not f- your focus, right? It's almost like a side thing that you were doing. Cause you already had the, you already had the inventory, the product, right? Which was the, the photos yeah. and you enjoy doing that anyway. So let's put them up there and just see, meanwhile, you're curious. So you learn this, learn about this Etsy thing mm-hmm. and then it, it brings up questions in your head. So then you start documenting those questions and those answers that you learn, uh, and you put them on YouTube to share with the community. And this is, I think this is why we're talking today is because you had a couple of videos on there that were really thoughtful about like how someone should approach certain things. And you have this like research kind of lens, I guess this filter that you have in your brain that I think a lot of the community can can benefit from. Um, I think you had one video on there recently that was uh, basically like the four things that million, million, million dollar shops do on Etsy, right? Is that the video title? pretty much.
1: That's basically it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that's awesome because we should be studying other successful shops or other successful people. And usually success leaves clues. So therefore let's just, let's try not, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's, let's see what somebody else did and see if we can kind of reverse engineering some of these things and then put our own flavor on it. Um, So I'm curious for anybody that hasn't seen that video, what are some, like some of those four things or a couple of those four things that, You've you found that million dollar shops do on Etsy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it was a, it was a fun project because you go into these things not sure if you're going to find anything or not. Um, sure, you, you never know. It, it's almost like you wade into whatever data you can find, and and see uh, are there any you know nuggets in there that are that are meaningful. Um, so. First, was trying to figure out which are the big shops. So I, you know, I said in in my most recent video um, that I did on Etsy, and I've I've actually done uh, four, I think three or four, I think four videos now on Etsy. So I, I definitely don't view myself as an Etsy focused channel. Sure. But because I've spent some you know some some spare, fair amount of time in Etsy and working with Etsy and using data tools and watching a ton of videos. I'm pretty good at aggregating and, and pulling back learnings that that are probably useful so for that video i had to first figure out which which are the biggest etsy shops and then i had to think about well what's what's an interesting way to compare them uh, is there anything to be learned um, so i was initially trying to figure out well just how concentrated are total etsy sales in the top shops um, so I learned in the very first Etsy video that I did by, by going into the uh, filings that SEC does for the for their investors uh, that they have to file with the government. I looked in there and I could see, well, what's the average Etsy shop sell in sales? Mm-hmm. And so then from that, I thought, well, all right, how well distributed that is that among at, across the Etsy uh, universe of sellers? Is it, is it mm-hmm. highly skewed to the top shops or not? So I actually f- figured out from a source that's probably as reliable as anything, who, who are the top 500 Etsy shops? Uh, and you could, you could calculate that different ways. So anyway, this was just one way. And then I looked at the top 10 and the bottom 10 of those 500 to see, are there any meaningful differences between those two groups? <laughs> um, and then I sort of did my math with some assumptions around how much of overall Etsy sales, based on what I could see about the sales in those shops, um, you know, how, how much of overall Etsy sales was going to be in the top 500 shops. And it actually wasn't nearly as, as skewed towards the top as I thought it might be. So there's what that tells me as a seller is there is still a lot of room for a lot of Etsy shops to make good sales. Hmm. Um, even though a lot of s c shops don't make good sales, so our mission is to figure out what's the difference right Why are the ones that are selling well able to achieve that um, and why are the ones that aren't selling well not unfortunately you can't you can't tell from the data but sure. what you can tell is what are common characteristics of the top shops and so that's what the that's what the that that thing was so here's some common characteristics is um, and this was probably obvious to people, but, you know, it's, it was fun to sort of see them in the data. Yeah. One is uh, the, sh- the, the things that the top shops sell tend to be focused towards a, a woman, a female customer base. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I then went and looked to see and Etsy's own published information. And they also said, yeah, most of the shoppers on the platform are women, not all of them. But most, and I think it was something like eighty percent women versus twenty percent men, something like that. You might yep. you might know better than I. That's about right. Yeah. Um, so that that creates an interesting question. If you if you're a guy trying to sell things or a woman, it doesn't matter. If you're trying to sell things uh, oriented towards a male customer, you might say, "Oh, well, that's an opportunity." Uh, but I would also say, "Yeah, it's an opportunity, but it's also you know a, a bit of a risk." There's just fewer guys on there shopping. Yep. Um, so anyway, mostly towards women was the, um, I like who that. the who the sellers are, who the shoppers are, and also what the merchandise on the top shops tends to be. Um, all right Second, um, they have many, many um, SKUs, many many different listings on the shop, uh, often mm-hmm. uh, in the thousands. So in the top 10 shops, Um, They had I forget the numbers now, but three, four thousand or something listings on average, whereas in the bottom 10 of the of the highest 500 shops, uh, they had much fewer. So you you might say, okay, well, that suggests that to be a top shop, you would want more listings. Um, Another of the learnings was price point. The best-selling shops tended to be lower price points uh, than the lower-ranked shops, Mm -hmm. Um, so
0: that was interesting to see. That is interesting, and I love this stuff because, first of all, I nerd out on the data when it comes to this stuff. You know, and um, I imagine somebody that's listening to this right now is probably they like they agree with like kind of nerding out on the data. They kind of think the same way we do. Otherwise, they wouldn't be this deep into the episode, right? (laughs) Um, But what you mentioned about, um, I think price point was kind of interesting because I found that our, in all of our data that we kind of analyze on Everbee side, which we get millions of data too. We have like over 25 million listings in our database and we kind of like look at them. We cut it up in different ways and try to make some studies and conclusions from this data too. And we found that the average order value, um, on most shops just across Etsy in general is around like the $25 range. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd be I was curious about what do you think the price range based on your study? Did you, was it around that range too, or was it actually lower than that?
1: Well, you, you mentioned order value. Do you mean, um, the, the price of the average listing that sells, or are you talking about right. a, a, a transaction, a purchase transaction, which might include a couple items? Um, including
0: all items. I'm sorry. So all items. Okay. So maybe you're talking about just a listing of one product. Individual together. listing. Yeah. Okay. yeah. okay. So now apples to apples, uh, Still interesting. What yeah, was number so, two What was number two that you mentioned? So um, listing count, I think was number two, right? Yeah, lots of listings, yeah. Can we talk about that for just a second? Uh, I think I was just talking to my sister who is an Etsy seller, uh, literally this weekend. And she's kind of a new seller, so she this is her first entrepreneurial journey. Um, and first Etsy shop, first time ever selling anything online. And she was kind of like stuck. She's like, not sure what to do. She's got 50 sales in her shop. And she's trying to like get more, of course. And she was just asking for like some general feedback. And um, it's hard to give like specific feedback because there's so many variables in these things. But yeah. the one thing I did s- found myself saying, which I wouldn't say to everybody, but I, I said to her, I said, "How many listing? How, how much time are you spending on your shop every day? Just curious, you know." And she and I'm like, and she's like, "I don't know." And I'm like, "No." Like, what do you think though? Half hour, one hour, five hours, like how much per day on five days a week? And she was like, oh, probably less than an hour. I said, okay, right away, my light bulb goes off. And I'm like, it's really hard to get good at anything if you're spending less than an hour on it a day. It's mm-hmm. very difficult. And so then she answered with a, a great point And she said, well, I don't know what to even work on. Like, what would I even work on? And I said, that's a great question. That's a great point. And so what I found myself saying was, I think you just need to create listings. I think you need to do research and then create listings Mm -hmm. and then do more research and then create listings. And then you should just do this. And she was like, well, is that gonna help the algorithm? And I'm just like, no, it's not really for that reason. It's actually just to practice getting good at just researching products, Mm -hmm. making the designing the products, listing the products with a nice title, nice description, nice images, and just repeating this, not for the algorithm, but actually for you to get better at doing this whole thing. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that other than it was interesting. It's like, that was my first time actually telling somebody to just go create a bunch of listings. Uh, what is your opinion on that? Like, according to like your research, your just common business sense. What do you think? So
1: Etsy, this is, uh, Etsy is harder than people think. So that's, that was part of the, I mean, I I don't want to knock people off of doing it, I think sure. it's better to go in with a good expectation of what you're getting into, whatever you're doing in life. And then you're a lot more likely to see it through than if you go in thinking it's going to be a, and it turns out to be B, and that's not what you wanted. or what you want to do, Right. So when it comes to Etsy, um, there's a, there's a, a few things that I'm ta- that I've taken away from this, which is obviously you need a good quality listing. And there's a lot of elements that go into making a good quality listing. Um, you want to make sure that you're, you're, Um, images of the listing are good. Now, everybody does the same thing, probably. They're going to go to something free like a Canva, or they're going to just try and start by finding free mock-ups if if you're doing POD, right, put-on-demand, because that's just where everybody starts. And then after a little while, you start to realize, oh, maybe these really aren't... Quite the level of quality that the, the best performing shops have, right? And, and you're always competing against the best performing shops. So at some point, you're like, oh, maybe I need to go through and improve the images, uh, find better mock ups, or, or make or, or, or order stuff myself and take pictures around the house, right? Sure. So that's, that's one thing that's super important. Um, obviously, there's, there's the text. Right, is how do you describe it in a way that makes it appealing to your customer? And again, we can we can do a lot of good reference by looking, um, by you know, using a tool like Everbee, figuring out who the good stores are selling the things that you want to sell, and then refer to how have they done it? What do their mock-ups look like? Do they include? uh basically a a thumbnail photo but it's it's text describing important information about the thing that you're considering buying right how have they presented it to the customer so i think the first thing is get good at that right um and that's that was great advice i think that you gave her because if you if you don't do that someone's gonna have a nicer looking product than you with better instructions and descriptions and that's who you're competing against, right? You, you by by and large, if, if you have the same price, they're going to be picking off more sales than you are. Sure. So you got to do that. Um, more listings is good because you are casting a net. You you don't sure. ultimately know what will or won't sell. So you, you're gonna you're gonna want more out there just because you're more likely to get um, to get have found you. and have get you, purchased. Yeah. Um, and then. You know, there was a really interesting one. I think this might have been—I don't remember if it was you, Cody, or if it was somebody else—but you can use a tool like Everbee to find um, a certain product that you want to sell, and you can mm-hmm. sort it to see who are the top sellers of that that product, and then you can see all the variants that don't sell. Yep. So, oh, this this was actually somebody else, um, but. You're not the only one that knows how to use Everbee, right? And, and knows to do that. So you're still, even if your listing is great and your descriptions are great and your price is perfect and all that, you're still trying to get traffic on an item that someone else is already, you know, favored sure. the algorithm sure. for. So if you're a new shop, maybe don't aim for the top sellers. Maybe go down the list a little bit to some something that's selling five or ten a month or a week or whatever, you know, so something that sells, but just not at the top of the list. And you're gonna aim there because maybe the listings aren't as good of a quality yet, but also if you can outcompete that that one, which I would think in theory should be easier to do than the top listings. now you're getting, you're gonna start getting traffic through your store, which is something the algorithm likes. Um, so, a big part of Etsy is how do you get traffic into your store and start getting purchases so that would be one way is to go is go for items that sell decently but not you know off the charts and try and start getting noticed by the algorithm by winning there. Other ways, of course, are by Etsy ads. There's, I guess there's a, a debate over whether or not Etsy ads are worth it. makes perfect Always. sense to me to do ads, to get traffic to your site, to start getting purchases from your store. And then as you get purchases, as I understand it, the algorithm will see. And you can actually start backing off of the ads at that point once you're getting purchases because now the algorithm is going to be giving you traffic. It's, it's a chicken and the egg. Do you get purchases uh, or traffic? Which comes first? You need both in order to get the other. So that's, uh, that's that's another thing that's important. And when she's when she's doing all that, the last element um, that seems to be uh, commonly used and, and almost necessary is to get comfortable going onto the other social media channels um, like Facebook and, and Instagram and Pinterest. Uh, pick one, start there, and learn how it works. Um, and I'm not saying you're trying to get paid traffic from there because paid traffic is tough. Um, paid sure. traffic can eat up your margins. Um, but but work to um, get noticed and seen over there for free, um, just using the normal things you do on a social media channel to get noticed and have that traffic pointed back to your Etsy store.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I think, so I think you nailed it. Is I mean, it is a lot of elements. But really, if we ju- if we try to boil it down to the simple things right? like try to make it simple, right? It's really, you need a product that people want to buy. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, you have to have a product. You can you give the best title, you like can best tags, best mockups, but if it's a product that's not in demand, you're just wasting your time. Um, so you need a product, right? Uh, and then, then of course, like you said, you need a listing, a quality listing, right? And what is a quality listing? Most of the time it's images make up the majority, you know, the most of the weight of, of your listing. Mix the title, mix the tags, but in uh, the price a little bit too. But really, it's images and the mockups, things like that. And then, then you need people to come come and visit it, right, and view it. And then you're you will convert. I mean, the idea is that you'll convert or not. And if you do convert, that means that it validates. Oh wow, people are actually liking what I'm buying. And then if you can convert those people, then you pour gasoline on the fire by creating or by maybe going like basically just creating more traffic. Right. Um, but, uh, no, I totally, I, I like your analytical approach to it as far as I don't know, just thinking about Etsy as a platform, I guess. Um, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. What are you doing now? Like what, what are you mostly focused on? What's next for Will? Uh,
1: Mostly I'm uh, just working on a YouTube channel. Um, I've got almost 20 videos up at this point. Um, uh, my first ones, it's its everybody says if you're going to do YouTube, don't stress too much about the quality of your videos because you can put a ton of time in your first videos and you're going to think they're decent. Hopefully, hopefully you think they're decent or you wouldn't even put them up. But um, the point is, don't get stuck. Just put them up um, and you're going to look back at them and no matter what you thought. Uh, even if you thought they were good when you first put them up, they're not good. (laughs) So, so I just, you know, did videos that I, I thought were decent at the time, you know, put a fair amount of time into them and then posted them. And now I'm, I'm not some super experienced YouTuber, but I look back at the first, you know, 10 and and I'm like, wow, those are terrible. You know, um, I think think there's a lot to learn
0: from that. There's a lot to learn from that. Like even for an Etsy seller listening to this it's it's all relative, it's all, it's all kind of related, um you said like just post you're just posting the youtube video right and the same mm-hmm. thing for just like post a listing just just create a listing like you're gonna learn so much from that and then you make it better 10 percent better 10 percent better and then pretty soon you're like really good at it and you look at your first listings and there's trademark infringements all over the listing <laughs> and you're just like the mock-ups there's like two pictures in it you know and you're just like but your new listings now you have like all of your image slots filled up trademarks are clean You're getting sales. And I'm sure it's the same thing for your YouTube journey. Uh, It's just like, just go. Right. And you figure it out, figure it out on the go.
1: Yeah. And I'm a a firm believer. And that applies to Etsy, too. There's so much to learn. And I don't mean that to intimidate anybody because you don't have to know it all on day one. You just need to know your direction and you need to know enough to get going. And then you will learn by doing it. Um, it's the same on YouTube. It's the same creating my original website and building it out on plumbing and building a podcast. You don't have to know the destination. You just need to know a direction and, and get moving on it. Right. So my, my YouTube, um, I started it in, I decided, um, basically in early December that I was going to be committed to it, decided to go right. And, and started preparing, um, mm-hmm. To, uh, you know, what do I need in order to film and how do I use it and what's my first topic and, and all that. So I started that and then uh, I released it at the beginning of January. And, uh, you know, for three months, I just every week and a half or so, I put out another video on another topic. And uh, not much would happen. You know, by the end of the three months, I was at almost uh, roughly 50 videos. Uh, sorry, 50 viewers. Okay. Uh, in, uh, 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 subscribers. I'm sorry, I'm using yep. the wrong, wrong word here. Yeah, yeah. 50 subscribers at the end of three months. So, you know, that yeah. might feel like a big belly flop, but uh, and, and again, you could say the same thing about anybody's journey on Etsy, right? You you just do the work up front and just go into it knowing and expecting not much initially, and then you'll be fine because that's what you were expecting. So I went into YouTube. Uh, With the the expectation and there's not good data on it. I I literally made up my goals based on what I gleaned from some other YouTubers talking about their experience. So my goal was, oh, I'm going to see if I can get to 100 subscribers by the end of three months and 1000 subscribers total by the end of six months. Um, so at the end of three months, I was, I had a week or so to go and I only had 54 subscribers. So I thought, well, I have time for another video or two before the three months is up. Maybe I'll get to a hundred by the end of my three months and I'll be on track. I'll, mm-hmm. you know, I'll feel satisfied with where I am. Um, and then, uh, that was actually when I released that first Etsy video. And, uh, that one, I guess struck a nerve. Uh, it's, it's now, I think approaching 200,000 views, but that one, Pushed me well past my initial goal of getting to 100 subscribers, and and is I did that a the one? Other, is that the
0: millionaire or the million millionaire shops video that we no, talked about? no,
1: this that one was called uh, the truth about Etsy: five things I wish I knew ahead of time. Oh, nice. Okay. And, yeah, have and so nice I had done, I had done a little bit of research um, to understand what sellers could expect for average sales, and and then I talked about things that I learned that would have just been helpful. Um, sure. So I talked about. Um, uh, how sales tax works within Etsy. Um, I live in New York, so in, in New York, you know, you you want to most likely register uh, with the state to uh, have a, a sales a right to collect uh, and remit sales tax to the state. So, uh, even though I come from a finance background, I was never selling physical products. We were selling software, and I didn't have to deal with sales tax. Sure. Yep. Uh, it, that was handled in a different way. So I've gotten a few critiques from people, it's funny on the YouTube saying, "Ah, oh, you're a CFO. How come you didn't know about sales tax? Different kind of business. I, we didn't yeah. have to deal with." with a lot sales of different tax.
0: nuances, different businesses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So in Etsy, I, I highlighted that as something. And I talked a little bit about it, so people would at least be aware to check into sales tax in their state and for the type of product they're selling, so it wouldn't catch them off guard. So That's I, great. And actually, I, a quick question on that, real quick.
0: Um, mm-hmm. my understanding, and this is going to be high level, is Etsy remits all sales tax for all states. So did you learn that it's actually not all states and there's certain states that do not, they do not remit sales tax for, or what so, was your learning?
1: So this was a, this was three months ago now, so I'm going a little bit from memory, but okay. I think there were a few states where they did not. Okay. Um, so- uh, What was the
0: result for New York? Uh,
1: New York, they did. Um, but here's why, where even though, so yeah i believe the interest in new york they do limit sales tax but if you're if you're building a physical product Mm -hmm. i I think this is mostly my pause was to think about it i think it's more of a physical product issue whether you're doing print on demand um or doing it yourself right um supplies are involved you have to buy a t-shirt to put an image on right so there's yeah. that first transaction where you're making a purchase or maybe you're making something in your shop at home and you need to sure. buy supplies to make it and then resell it so there's actually a tra- there's a purchase already and if you don't have a resale certificate from your state and, and this is a new york thing for sure i'm, I'm less sure how every other state works. Yeah, so okay. okay. but yeah you would want to get a resale certificate and all that means is when you buy something um, with the intention of reselling it, you don't have to pay sales tax on your purchase. Um, yep. So by going to your state and just registering, you now get your certificate and you can just give it to anybody that you're buying stuff that you're going to resell. And yeah. if that's print on demand, you can just let them know. You can you could just upload your certificate to, your, to Printify or Printful and they will now not charge you sales tax on the first of the two transactions, which is when you buy the product from them, that they're now going to put your design on and ship it off to your customer. The second transaction is the sale um, to the customer. The first gotcha. one, you're buying it from them. So that's where the okay. that's. So I, I didn't I didn't realize that, uh, and that yeah. was. Uh, you
0: it's know, one of those little things, right?
1: Out.
0: Yeah, it's one of those little things. And and to, to summarize that for anybody that's kind of like a little bit lost in where we were talking, because we switched gears a couple times. Originally, I thought that you were talking about will was the sales tax that Etsy. Etsy charges the, the buyer, but it's actually not what we're talking about here. We're actually talking about the print-on-demand supplier. So when when a customer gets an order from you, you actually place that order with Printify in this case, and then you actually, Printify charges you a sales tax. However, what Will's saying here is in New York, what he learned is that when you have a reseller i think it's reseller certificate or something like that it's a, basically you could buy wholesale goods and you actually don't have to pay sales tax when you purchase that shirt from printify and then mm-hmm. printify will fulfill it to your customer and you actually just saved sales tax um right there it was like probably whatever sales tax is eight percent in my in my world uh, yeah. so you just saved eight percent right off bat of on the wholesale wholesale value of that shirt and it's just an easier way to make a little bit more make up in your margin, a little bit more, and it really doesn't cost anything to register
1: to, for that That's for that correct. permit. Yes, yeah, so sales tax is confusing. So, yes. um, in New York, Etsy, as, a, as a Etsy seller, you're going to list something for sale on Etsy, and hopefully, a customer will buy it. Right mm-hmm. in New York, even though Etsy collects the sales tax on that transaction and sends it into New York. The seller still needs to report to New York that a transaction happened. It's oh, is that weird. right? Yeah. So you don't get the money as the seller. Sure. SC, XC collects, takes that piece of the money and they, they they hold on to it and they will do the filings with the state and send them the money. But um, as a seller in New York, I still had to report to New York that a sales transaction happened. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. For my <laughs> business. Yeah. So it, it actually comes in in both places. One one is there, uh, and then the second one is what you just recapped, which is uh, you know, yeah. and it's not just print on demand. What you just recapped, it's it's the same as if I was just selling stuff that I made myself. I still have to buy supplies. Why why would I want to pay pr- sales tax sure. on that purchase? You can save the eight percent in in uh, in your state, in my state, um, yep. and not you know just that goes straight to your profit margin. I love it. No, this is great. And by the way, not not financial advice here for
0: anybody listening. Um, go talk to your qualified uh, CPA, your personal CPA for anything specifically about your sales tax advice, because it, it is case by case. There's a lot of nuances there. Um, don't I wouldn't say don't worry about it if you're listening to this, like you're like, you know, your stomach just dropped thinking about all this stuff. Don't stress about it. Just just understand that there's things that you need to learn at some point. You don't need to, le- need to learn it today and know all of it today. Just talk to somebody that does know. Uh, and which is your CPA in this case. Um, Would you agree, Will?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and what I I try and say, what I'm describing, I try and explain people a little bit of the detail of how it works, but I I just keep saying that's here in New York. It might be different where you live, and you should just be aware of it. Uh, You have time. Go do some research online. Look, Look on Etsy and the help forums. You can talk to their support people. They can point you to whatever literature they have about it. But ultimately, they'll also you know, probably say, if they're being honest, you should also independently verify it with your, whoever your, your tax you know, advisor is. Uh, you, and I realize a lot of people don't have one. This is something now that you're going to have to go, unfortunately, roll up your sleeves and just look into a little bit um, for your state. But, you know, you can also call your state and ask them. Um, every state has a, has a tax office and you can just sort of find the phone number to the people that handle sales tax and talk to their support people and they can help you understand a little bit better what works. Sometimes you need to describe for them what it is you're doing so they can understand, okay, if that's what you're doing, then here's the tax thing that you should know. Yeah, I love it. Give give them a ring. Let's um, wrap up with the last question. Um,
0: A lot of our sellers right now, our, our audience right now listening to this, thousands of people and they're first time entrepreneurs, it's like their first, first kind of go at this whole entrepreneurial journey specifically. They chose Etsy to go with first, um, but there's a lot of valleys of death, right. Or valleys of despair, you know, and what would, how would you encourage them, uh, to, to to continue to push on through those, those ups and downs, what's kind of something that you would want to leave them with?
1: Um, it's, it's good to create a roadmap for yourself. Um, and you can you can help build that map by going to and and it's tough like there's you can help build that map by referring to a lot of the free information that's out there on the um, on youtube i mean there really is a lot of good information um people share their experiences they tell you what worked for them what didn't work for them so you're looking for the people that are more open uh and share the good and the bad right so that'll at least help you get a sense of where, where am I among everybody else that's doing it. Um, and then the the other thing is, so that's all about setting expectations. Um, okay. And so, again, just with my YouTube, I'd set my expectations low. My, I don't know, I'm only going to get 100, maybe 100 in three months. I'm going to work for three months and maybe get 100 subscribers. So because of that, I was okay with the the process. Uh, within Etsy or whatever you're working on, uh, this is an Etsy-focused channel, um, just know that you're going to need lots of listings, um, not to blatantly pitch Everbee, but, I I mean, use a tool like Everbee to figure out which are are the listings that are selling. And from that, you know what sorts of products are more likely to sell, um, fish. I call it fish for the fish fisher. Right? You see that they're already selling, so those are clearly things that have demand. So, if, do your listings uh, have a good overlap um, with with other things that are selling well? Um, use that, and then and then use you know use again Everbee as a resource to eva- to look at how the listings are set up, um, so that you at least know you're doing the right things. You know you've got listings that are the kind of listings that sell well. You know that your prices are reasonable. You know that you've created a good-looking listing. So you're you're removing the barriers that are preventing transactions from happening. And then after that um, is just know it takes time. Um, Work on driving traffic in different ways to your site. Uh, Be resourceful and count on yourself rather than on Etsy Etsy to give you the, the, the volume. Um, And if you do the right things, ultimately, that's where I'm going. If you know you're doing the right things, then it's probably just a matter of time before you'll start seeing the results that you're looking for.
0: It's golden, golden, golden. I couldn't say better. All Um, all the
1: process is basically what I'm saying is is know what the process is and then just do the process and give it time. Beautiful. Well, where can can people find you? Um, So. My channel might be hard to find. I know you'll put a link, uh, but if you search cool. for my name on on YouTube, uh, there's a lot of guys with my name on YouTube. So I don't even know if I'd show up. But uh, <laughs> the channel is my name. is It's William Lee, W-I-L-L-I-A-M. Uh, and uh, the other way to find me is just go to my um, web page, which is WilliamLee.com. And on there, there's links to the channel.
0: Beautiful. And we will link to all of William's uh, information and also y- your popular videos that you
1: mentioned also. Just to give people hope, I said I was only at 54 subscribers at the end of three months. So for those of you who, who you are looking at your Etsy and saying, well, I haven't made any sales yet. I've been doing two, three months. Uh, I am now coming at the end of my second three months and now I'm over 22,000 subscribers. And that happened from, that happened like in the past two, three months. So I love it whatever you're doing on Etsy is it's just the same thing. You just do the process, do it well, do the process. And hopefully in time you'll see results and, and it might surprise you.
0: It's golden. I totally, totally agree with this. It only takes one video for you. It's one video on YouTube to really kind of change your whole you know, channel. On Etsy, I say it all the time, it only takes one product to really take your store to the next level. It only takes one great product, like selling product to really change your entire life actually. It yeah. gets, it's life changing, right? I mean, yeah. you look on Everbee and you see revenues of certain products they're doing. We're talking ten thousand, fifteen thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars a month in yeah. revenue. That's life changing money for the majority of people listening to this. Absolutely, because um, yeah. it puts you on a whole different trajectory of where do I want to, where do I see myself, where do I see my future? Where, where do I want to take my business, my brand? Do I want to like start a Shopify store also now? And it's like it's so yeah. beautiful what it does. It's not only Etsy specific. It opens up your entire. Uh, the entire way of looking at business in life. And I think it's, I'm obsessed with it and I'm sure you are too, but yeah. it's super fun. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much for your time, man.
1: I'll talk to you really soon. Thanks, Cody. Take care. Great talking to you. Bye-bye.